Hi, everyone. Thank you for coming to Formerly Christians podcast. Thank you for listening in, and I hope that you'll visit my website, changingali.com. That is changingali.com. I've written an article about the different conclusions about the Bible, um, you know, because, you know, as a formerly Christian, I can tell you that I am coming across a whole lot of information about the Bible, um, you know, the different writers and the different editors of the Bible. I'm coming across the literally components of the Bible, uh, the cultural factors in the Bible. The Bible is a cultural uh, contextual book because you have different cultures uh, in there, uh, from Egypt to uh, the Mesotomia, excuse me, uh, to Rome. Christianity is is Rome's uh, cultural version of religion. Um, Judaism is many uh, cultures because you, we see that the culture traveled right. With Moses, it was in Egypt. He, he traveled. Um, all the way to uh, what is known as Babylon. Uh, I'm not saying Moses did, but I'm saying the concept did travel to the different regions. And subsequently, uh, the Bible was translated in Europe, and we now have the European version of this Bible. Uh, now, the different cultures which are in the Bible um, uh, gave, provided the, the groundwork for the, the creation of the Bible. So you as a reader, you have to understand that these civilizations that which I mentioned, you have to figure out who they were, what were their cultural doings and activities, and why are they featured in this Bible? Because, I mean, there's a reason why they're mentioned, right? There's a reason why they're in there. Um, so the whole idea is for you to understand the context, the historical context. So you can understand this Bible because this Bible is not holy. It did not come from God. It came from the hands of human beings who wanted to convey their their cultural ways they wanted to tell you or i don't i don't even want to say you or me i don't even think they were thinking of um you and me in this generation at this point in history they were just writing um you know their 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 practices they were writing with their lives in mind uh that's why it's important for you to keep the bible in the past where it belongs it does not belong in the presence it belongs in the past um, it, because it belongs to those people who um, who wrote it, who wanted to write down uh, their belief systems. Uh, that's what the Bible is all about. Uh, it has many books. The books were, were written at different times. They were contributed at different times and they created a, a, a final book came to be. Uh, it did not come from God. God did not create it. I cannot say this enough. So definitely uh, research is important as the believer, as the reader. You must, you must know the cultural um, definitions of, um, of, this, of this book that is continuously being taught as though to, um, as though to say that um, it is a book that came from God. <clears throat> Religion is, is doing the world a dis, disservice by continuing to say that. Uh, Christianity and its different denomination um, continues to um, preach something that is filled with misinformation. And what we're getting are people who are uh, self-righteous and judgmental. They're not behaving in the way that uh, God would want them to, to believe, to behave, because God and religion are completely different categories. 
So I, I have been reading this book called Stolen Legacy, Stolen Legacy, and I kind of want to lay the groundwork for bringing in the history of um, how the translations of the Bible came to be, because it went through many translations, right, before it was uh, written in English in 1611 in Europe. Uh, so, you know, what the different people who translated this book, what were what, what, what kind of documents were they using? They needed documents, right? They needed something to write or they need or they were just referencing their cultural um, conclusions. So it's very important for you to um, to know this. It's very important to understand the historical context of this. So I'm referencing this book called Stolen Legacy by GM James. Because it it's it's a it's a great start. It it became a book that of one of many books that I read that helped me to understand uh, the 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 traveling concepts of uh, Judeo Christianity. It, it helped me to conclude why the Bible is not a holy book. That the Bible is just another uh, book that was written by different people, uh, and and it ended up in our hands in the twenty first century world, and so forth. So the book called Soul and Legacy, this guy did research on the philosophy of Greece and how it was taken from Africa, uh, brought to Greece. And, you know, the greatest philosophers like Socrates, um, you know, he never wrote anything. His, his students wrote on his behalf. But why was that? Where, you know, Socrates', Socrates uh, activities were not original. They came from somewhere. And according to GM James, they came from the ancient Egyptian mysteries. And it makes so much sense because when you think of Alexander the Great or quote unquote, the great uh, who really was a uh, tyrant. And when he would travel from Greece to Egypt and uh, that the, the whole region of uh, the upper Nile, what do you think he was doing? He was in the military mode. He was plundering and he was destroying what was there. What was there was advanced civilizations. Um, they, they had been there uh, because Africa is the land of humanity. This is, this is where humanity started. That is what science says. Uh, so, um, you know, when Alexander the Great is going to traveling back and forth on military excursions, he was plundering through so, so much, so much information, so much advanced civilization. And subsequently, he was bringing back manuscripts and he was bringing back information uh, so the philosophers went to Egypt to learn the the tra to train through the um, the training of uh, the ancient Egyptians. Like I said, because you had you had advanced civilizations in Africa, so it get that those civilizations gave birth to uh, the the foundation of Greece and subsequently Rome, which is where Christianity was uh, created and uh, so forth. So GM James says this. The knowledge that the African continent gave civilization, the arts and sciences, religion and philosophy is destined to produce a change in the mentality, both of the white and black people. There are three persons in the drama of Greek philosophy, Alexander the Great, Aristotle's school, and the ancient Roman government who were responsible for a false tradition about Africa and the social plight of its people. Both the black and both the white and black people are common victims of a false tradition about Africa, and this fact makes both races partners in the solution of the problem of racial reformation. Fourthly, he says the methods suggested for racial refor reformation 
re-education of both groups by worldwide dissemination of Africa's contribution to civilization. B, the abandonment of the false worship of Greek intellect. C, special attention must be given to the re-education of missionaries and a constant demand made for a change in missionary policy. So he's writing this in the first part of the book um, because, yes, we do need to be re-educated about this uh, this Jesus figure, for example. We do need to be re-educated about how Africa contributed so widely to so many different uh, educational categories, yet it is being um, looked at as some backward continent. Uh, so yes, we have to change the narrative. We have to change the uh, perception that we have been given about that continent so we can truly understand how the different concepts, concepts in Africa gave birth to Judeo-Christianity, to Islam. Uh, it is on the continent that all of these um, these conclusions, religious conclusion and spiritual conclusion came from. So why not give credit to the people who gave us um, gave us these these valuable pieces of information? We we do need to be uh, reeducated. I'm a firm believer in that. So GM James goes on to say the term Greek philosophy to begin with is a misnomer for there is no such philosophy in existence. The ancient Egyptians had developed a very complex religious system called the mysteries, which was also the first system of salvation. So, you know, in ancient uh, uh, Egypt, which was called Kemet, these people had mastered uh, the laws of nature, as we now know. They had mastered the cosmos. They had their own system of acknowledging God. That's what, what I've said about the great statues that you see in Egypt. Those are not from a paganist uh, conclusion. Those people were seeing themselves as, as confident. They were a manifestation of greatness because they had mastered uh, uh, the understanding of God like from the fourth century. They, they were analyzing the animals around them, nature, how nature interacted, the, the, the water, people. They were putting a conclusion to everything that was happening around them. And it is from their conclusion that conclusions that Greek philosophy uh, came to be. Because when you think of Socrates, Socrates never wrote anything, you know? He didn't write anything, but that was a conclusion of the, the, the Kemet people. They never wrote anything down because the whole idea was for each individual to master um, you know, nature and everything that surrounds him or her. It was about man and woman in, in Kemet. It was not about uh, a detachment between man and woman like you see in religion. Um, it was about dualism, the good and the bad, and mastering both um, categories so that you can become a better person. So with the ancient Kemet people, everything was about the soul. Everything was about uh, betterment. And uh, GM James goes on to say, as such, it is regarded the human body as a prison house of the soul, which could be liberated from its bodily impediments through the disciples of the arts and sciences and advanced through the level of a mortal to that of a god. So everything was about the soul in, in Kemet, and every, everything that was created was, was with the intent to better the soul. And the individual was just, um, you know, we're just, the individual body, the human body is really just... Um, 
a, a physical part, but what is inside the intrinsic values, that's what matters. And that's how the Egyptians uh, recognize each other. That's how they uh, concluded that um, everything was um, about your internal soul, your, your betterment and so forth. So he goes on to say the Egyptian mystery system was also a secret order and membership was gained by initiation and a pledge to secrecy. The teaching was graded and delivered orally to the neophytes. And under these circumstances of secrecy, the Egyptians developed secret systems of writing and teaching and forbade the initiatives from writing what they had learned. So now you know, understand why Socrates never learned, never wrote anything down. He was just always in wisdom, trying to teach wisdom and trying to, um, to you know, engage his students um, so that uh, they could understand concepts. They could learn not just from um, writing, but also uh, from within. GM James goes on to say, after nearly 5,000 years of prohibition against the Greeks, they were permitted to enter Egypt for the purpose of their education first through the Persian invasion and secondly through the invasion of Alexander the Great. From the 6th century BC, therefore to the death of Aristotle in 322 BC, the Greeks made the best of their chance to learn all they could about Egyptian culture. Most students received instructions directly from the Egyptian priests, but after the invasion of Alexander the Great, the royal temples and libraries were plundered and pillaged and Aristotle's school converted the library at Alexandria into a research center. So this is where you're, you're getting some historical context from GM James. He's saying, um, yeah, they were traveling back and forth, Greek, Greek and Greece and Egypt. Um, there, was, there was interaction, as you know, the story, the historical story. But it was more, Alexander the Great was a military figure. He was not there to make friends and to... Um, you know, be nice. He was there to plunder because that civilization had um, advanced so much to the point where Greece was in the initial phase of development and Africa had already mastered development. Uh, they had more, they had greater infrastructure. And of course, that, um, that was um, Alexander the Great's mission subsequently led to the plundering of everything of a lot of what was in Africa. So he's going on. It's uh, it's a long book. It's very easy to read. It's not a, a hard book. Um, let's see. Another noticeable characteristic of Greek philosophy is the fact that most of the Greek philosophers used the teachings of Pythagoras as their model. And subsequently, they have introduced nothing new in the philosophy. Included in the Pythagor Pythagorean... I'm having a problem with that word. Too many syllables. Pythagorean system, we find the doctrines of opposites, harmony, fire, mind. Since it is composed of fire atoms, immortality expressed as transmigration of souls, the Sumner Bonum, or the purpose of philosophy. And these, of course, are reflected in the system of, of Heraclitus, Permides, Democritus, uh, Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle. So he's saying that the different writers, um, like, well, not Socrates, but Plato, Aristotle, Democritus, um, were saying uh, what the Egyptians had concluded about science. They were not, the Egyptians were not just um, 
you know, making conclusions about the about nature and the laws of nature. They were also very spiritual. They had mastered the understanding of God by the fourth dynasty, and they had like thirty dynasties. So they had they had under, they understood that there they that there was a creator, and they were manifesting the greatness of the creator. When you see the big statues in Egypt to this day, there was a manifestation of the understanding. Everything was intrinsic to the uh, ancient Egyptians, known as the Kemets. Kemet. Um, they were not interested in external things per se. They were interested in in understanding and drawing conclusions about the external world, about the tangible world. But in terms of training the individual and, and helping the individual to master the self, the God self, the Egyptians were very, very big on um, teaching from within, not writing anything down uh, so that uh, the the initiate would learn the importance of uh of 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 what's what's inside versus paying attention to what is outside. Okay, so he goes on to say that um let's see the next thing that is pe peculiar about Greek philosophy is its use in literature. The Egyptian mystery system was the first secret order of history and the publication of its teachings was strictly prohibited. This explained why initiates like Socrates did not commit to writing the philosophy and why the Babylonians and Chaldeans, who were also very closely associated with them, also refrained from publishing those teachings. Um, yeah, again, everything was about intrinsic learning. It was not about you uh, writing things down. It, you had to learn dualism. You had to learn um, uh, values from within so that you can become a better person. That's how it was done in Kemet. Um, it says the contribution to civilization was truly was really and truly made by the Egyptians and the African continent, but not by the Greeks or the European continent. So you know, to uh, racism, you know, as we know, is entrenched in the Bible and Christians to this day. White Christians continue to believe that black people are cursed and so forth. But, you know, this book is so important because G.M. James is clarifying that uh, it, it was the African continent that gave so much uh, information, so much contribution, yet they are being um, misrepresented and being told that they are cursed to humanity when they were actually the creators of humanity. Uh, civilization started in Africa and it has continued to, people have continued to migrate from the continent into different parts of the world to um and their concepts have traveled um, with them, of course, their value system traveled. So uh, he goes on to say the aim of the book is for centuries, the world has been misled about the original source of the arts and sciences. For centuries, Socrates, Plato and Aristotle have been falsely idolized as models of intellectual greatness. And for centuries, the African continent has been called the dark continent because Europe coveted the honor of transmitting to the world the arts and sciences. So once, you know, Greece, Rome, Europe, once they got a hold of these, um, the mystery system of Egypt, everything changed. Like they started to give credit to themselves, <laughs> to themselves, not to the African people who had given them the information. Um, so of course that started to create the, the nasty stereotypes, the nasty racism, uh, you know, that gave birth to slave to the enslavement of African people because, you know, Bible says 
uh, this. And the Bible says that about black people. So uh, again, the importance of this book is to just say that um, to paint a better picture of how Africa became started so many um, so many uh, spiritual and scientific conclusions about the world and handed it to the different civilizations thereafter it. Uh, but unfortunately, um, you know, in modern day texts and modern day conclusion, there's this idea that um, Africa is a backward continent, that it did not produce anything. But, you know, thank God for people like uh, G.M. James, uh, you know, and other intellects like John G. Jackson and John Henry Clark, because they have given information to the world about the greatness, all the contributions of Africa. Okay, so we will go on. Uh, again, I'm just giving snippets of this. It's a it's a long book. I think it's 135 pages. Um, okay, so let me just say something right here. Um, so firstly, he's talking about the high priests in Egypt and how um, how they worshipped and how um, they they went about conducting priestly duties. Okay, so he mentions the Amarna letters uh, found in the government office of the Egyptian king Ignaton testified to the fact that the Egyptian empire empire had extended to Western Asia, Syria, and Palestine, and that for centuries Egyptian power had been supreme in the ancient world. world. This was in the 18th dynasty, around 1500 BC. Uh, so he's mentioning here the um, Amarna letters. Uh, I've come to know that as uh, communications between, like, uh, you know, dynasties in, in Egypt or Kemet to like dynasties or government um, ambassadors in all the way to to Persia and um, Mesopotamia, there, there were communications and it's in the Amarna, Amarna letters that the word Israel, Israel pops up, but that word is only mentioned. It is not like explained. So when you think of Israel, um, you know, so many, uh, researchers have said, well, we don't have enough about Israel to say that there was a place called Israel, but the Amarna letter letters between the two, uh, people in, in Kemet and, I think uh, Persia or Mesopotamia uh, says that th there was a word called Israel. So, you know, it that that word doesn't have a lot of history. It doesn't have a lot of background, but it is considered now a place based on uh, uh, Jewish people's um, conclusion. Again, you're reading a lot of culture in the book, in the Bible. So you have to be aware of um, what was then and what became, uh, what was available uh, in ancient times and what became uh, new information and new terminologies. Uh, that also is a whole new lesson plan um, because I would come to learn that too of how, you know, words like Jewish and um, Israel, those words do not have a whole lot of history to them. They're just words that came about in the later centuries. Um and that was from a, a group trying to identify or give themselves an identity. So going back to G.M. James, uh, he says, as one attempts to read the history of Greek philosophy, one discovers a complete absence of essential information concerning the early life and training of the so-called Greek philosophers from Thales to Aristotle. No writer or historian professes to know anything about the early education. Uh, so yeah, um, there's no doctrine or no document that um, that is talking about these 
these uh, philosophers, Aristotle and Thales, but of course we have come to know about them. Uh, we somehow have been knowing them as though they wrote great things or they said great things, when in actual, actuality, whatever they said wasn't really even original. It was um, taken from another civilization and uh, reinterpreted in another region uh, to fit that region's conclusion about uh, philosophy, what they came up with philosophy. So, okay, uh, he goes on to say, the schools of philosophy, Chaldean, Greek, and Persian were part of the ancient mystery system of, of Egypt. They were conducted in secrecy according to the demands of the Osiriacar, whose teachings became common to all the schools. In keeping with the demands of secrecy, the writing and publication of teachings were strictly forbidden, and consequently, initiates who had developed satisfactorily in their training and had been advanced to the rank of master or teacher refrained from publishing the teachings of the mysteries of philosophy. Again, everything was intrinsic. Uh, a citizen had to go through a training to uh, become a master or a teacher um, to others. And, you know, that is the same concept as in in Greece, we know Aristotle and we know Plato and we know um, Socrates as having um, students and, you know, they were meeting and they were talking and they were also brutalized because the concept was foreign. Uh, the other Greek citizens did not like the idea of another civilization's uh, conclusion in their region. Um, so... Yeah, um, he's talking about all of that. Again, the book is called Stolen Legacy by G.M. James. I will um, do another part to this because um, he is saying a lot. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot. I only want to give some snippets of it because I think that you should get the book just so you understand um, the history of how um the Bible came to be the the cult the cultural context the historical context of the Bible. You have to know that so that you can understand the Bible. And his book is really given a whole lot of information. Um, mind you, this man was assassinated uh, after he wrote this book because you know when you speak the truth or when you find out what the truth um, is, of course you will you will not have a lot of friends. You will not. Um, you will not uh, be alive for long because you are preaching against what what uh, they don't want you to preach because they've been preaching something for so long. Uh, again, it is very, it's jam-packed. I'm not going to reference too much um, about it. The book is online, by the way. It's free online. So uh, definitely find your copy or read your copy of it. Uh, I want to read something final before I leave. The earliest theory of civilization is the Egyptian theory. The Egyptian mystery system had as its most important object the deification of man and taught that the soul of man, if liberated from its bodily fetters, could enable him to become godlike and see the gods in his life and attain the beatific um, vision and whole communion with the immortals. So again, this is a reference to how the mystery system worked, what its purpose was, and how uh, man was liberated from, you know, you know, other uh, ordeals or problems um, by being part of the system, the mystery system. How he, you know, the training that went into that, he would be eventually become free from burdens and um, 
so forth. So the whole idea of heaven and hell, for example, would be a concept that came from 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 the training of the Egyptian mystery system, uh, because you're seeing dualism, right? Good and bad. Uh, that when it was interpreted by Paul or written in heaven and hell became the new concept. Uh, but that came from somewhere, right? So everything that is written in the Bible came from somewhere. The con their concepts, their traveling concepts. So again, you you have a lot of work to do as a reader of the Bible. You cannot believe that these are scriptures. You cannot believe that those came from God. You must understand that you are reading actual history. You are reading actual historical records uh, in the Bible. And um, it is your responsibility to find out where these uh, ideas came from so that you can become more informed. And if you're a believer in God, you can find yourself extricating God from these, you know, nonsensical stories in the Bible. I'm going to stop here. I will uh, do some additional references next time I read. Uh, again, the, the book is jam-packed. Find yourself the copy online. Just, you know, just knowing the historical context will help you. I urge you to do that. Thank you.